You are tuned in to the Decisive Podcast Series Special. Hello, everybody. It's Sunday, May 7th, and happy Mother's Day. Thank you to all you mothers around the world that continues to give life. You are listening to the Decisive Podcast Series Special. I am your host, Roberto Q. Ingram. I'm glad that you're here, and I hope that you enjoy what you're about to hear today. I am especially excited to have on the program today again, Mr. FBK, also known as... Kevin Kennedy. He's released on countless labels. He's originally from the U.S. and his latest release on ReKids is one of my favorites called From the Escape Planet. Yes, and we will learn more about this gentleman in the full interview, but we'll also listen to his recorded mix that was actually recorded live at one of his live performances last week. So this is our first here at Decisive, and you can also listen to the music in its entirety prior to today at soundcloud.com slash Roberto Ingram. We'd also love to have you to go to our website at inspiration-network.podomatic.com there. You will find all information concerning all other artists that have appeared on the program. Yes. And we would love for you to engage and send us your email so that we can send you information on what's going on with the podcast and when it's aired. And uh, we would also love to have you to become a member so that uh, we can get you to uh, engage with us and let us know what you think and let us know that you're happy with the hard work that's being done here. With that said, let's get on with it. Let's listen to the full interview of our guest today, Mr. FBK. Mr. Kevin Kennedy, a.k.a. FBK, I want to thank you for taking the time again. Uh, Last time we have encountered the Decisive Podcast was in 2016. Now it's a year later. Yes, and thank you for having me. Uh, It's always a pleasure. You seem to be uh, nonstop uh, releasing and and, uh, doing what you do best, music. And uh, uh, I had to capture this moment because uh, I was very excited about (laughs) <laughs> your new release on ReKids and I want to congratulate you on that because I played it out last weekend and it was like one of my last four songs and the people went mad that's wonderful I I, I, I saw the video of that and it was, it was wonderful for me because when you're working in silence and whatever you just don't expect people to have any emotion attached to the work that you're doing and actually seeing people enjoying it not knowing who it is or me not even having to be in the room is uh is fantastic the release um date was what when that was april 17th what's the what's the name of the release it's it is from the escaped planet have you heard any got any good feedback yet um, the feedback that I've gotten uh, from uh, from uh, Will at uh, Dispersion Music um, has been very, very positive. I uh, got a uh, nice, uh, nice write-up uh, right before the release was uh, was was out from uh, Resident Advisor, which I thought was fantastic. The reviews that I've read, I've not had any. I've not seen anyone pan it, which is shocking. Um, and. I mean, a lot of the people that know me really well were still somehow shocked that I did uh, a track like "You Are Not Fixed," um, which is the song that you that, that you played uh, that right, you played. So, you know, it, it was it, it's it's fun for me in that respect because these are. I mean, a lot of people have kind of tried to peg my music as being one sound and nine times out of ten when they do that they forget that i do other things i mean one of the, the one of the other tracks that uh, people have been talking about is on the other side of that record which is called the final escape and the final escape is uh it's a sound that uh i don't do very often um it's a sound that i gravitate towards not often enough maybe for some people's taste but 
it's uh, something that I really do like to do just to uh, just to uh, shake things up a little bit. And, and why now for this particular release? Well, I mean, the, 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 the nice part about it was is that uh, I sent, uh, I had been sending Matt some tunes for quite some time. Uh, he he actually picked, uh, picked several tracks that he liked and for the release that I did, he actually picked those four and I, have gotten to a point where if someone says they like a certain amount of tracks, because anything I send out, it's stuff that I enjoy personally. Um, so, for you know, when he picked those tracks, I'm like, okay, great. I was like, you know, he knows his label better than I know his better than I know his label, and I know that uh, he is a good arbiter of taste, and he's somebody who. Um, as a DJ, um, I really, really respect and as a producer, I really, really like his work. So it was one of those things that made me, uh, it made me happy that, that he found some tunes that he really felt were strong to actually put out. I understand that the title also of this release uh, is called Special Projects. Yes. What is that about? What is, what is that about? Well, um, the way it was presented to me and the way it's been presented to the public is that uh, records, uh, after they've had their 100th release, um, decided to uh, split off some of their music. In other words, the uh, record special projects is supposed to be more techno focused. And I am completely over the moon and completely surprised that I was actually the first release on special projects. Um, that yeah, was to me, it's still techno, but Yes. club orientated to me absolutely absolutely i mean most of the work that i do is really influenced by being in nightclubs um however i as uh, time has gone on especially this year i've kind of started to focus back on being more of a live performer through most of my career uh most of my performances have been live performances i've dj'd out quite a bit i've been a resident dj uh, at nightclubs here in the city but uh most of my most of my performances that are notable have been me performing live in front of a crowd so and i've found i found that for for me um i'm an okay dj i'm probably a better live performer so i've kind of gone back into into that that form of uh that form of entertainment uh understand your you going with your strength and your powers yeah i mean i'm i'm excited for you i would i would like to hear more of uh, this kind of sound that you're doing because it's, it's very it's still testy it's still creative it's still it's still raw to me it's still and it's still you know flavorful this record took me into some other music that i wasn't able to get into and which i was so happy for going into some progressive sounds and uh, you seem to be able to make old 80s kind of a feel with a little bit of rock edge in there too some of this stuff that i was hearing and synthy kind of a synthy type of deal uh which was for me very exciting to hear again because um this sound is also um uh, for me personally um still relevant in a way especially if it's done in a fresh modern way that's how i uh, perceive this release in a fresh modern way very warm and melodic but still pressure still a lot of energy and that was yeah really nice a lot of respect for that release i really thank you for that i mean one of the things that's uh one of the things that um has probably made me a better producer has been not paying attention to what everybody else is doing. One of the reasons why I've also kind of backed off on being a DJ a little bit is because primarily um, the music that I listen to doesn't have a lot to do with dance music. I mean, some of my favorite work, uh, you know, that I like to listen to is, I mean, some of it's modern rock and roll. Like, uh, I'm a big fan of a band from Russia called uh, Motorama. Um, I like listening to uh, to uh, guys like Author and Punisher. Um, you know, there's a lot of other things that uh, I'm really into um, that aren't necessarily what people would consider to be techno. I think that it's refreshing in that respect. 
So, I mean, and that and the fact that most of like my life, I mean, I've spent, uh, I spent a lot of time as a uh, classical trained musician, um, so. I can feel that in all your work, no matter how organic or how strange or how unconventional it is, you can still feel that uh, the musical aspect, harmonies, melodies never fade away or get lost, shall I say. Yeah, and it's it's funny because when you, I've been doing dance music since 1994 or so, and one of the things that uh, I I started doing dance music and I tried really hard to shake off as much of the uh, classical training as I had, like the idea that this key goes with this key, et cetera, et cetera, and I started, you know, trying to work with tones that uh, were not necessarily. Uh, in 12 tone. That didn't work out very well because whatever I was working with had to sound right with the other thing. And then I started to realize that all of those particular, uh, all of those particular sounds for me and my work have to go together. It, it's probably one of the reasons why my music uh, does have a melodic aspect. And uh, it's probably, probably the one thing that's probably kept me uh, kept me from uh, from making records that I would hate. <laughs> you were in a band in the past, right? Or you had a couple of bands? I have been in a couple of bands. I was in a hip hop group called Poets of Heresy um, from 1990 to 96. And um, we, uh, we uh, were a hip hop group that was kind of like, uh, we were kind of like the Roots before the Roots. We had, uh, we had a live drummer, a live bass player, and we also had a live guitarist. I would sometimes, for certain songs, sit in on keyboards. And not only did I do rap vocals, but I also sang a couple of songs and I wrote, I, I helped co-write co some of the music as well. And that was an experience working with uh, six other people. Um, we uh, got looked at by, uh, we got looked at by a few major labels. Um, and some of the things that I learned in, you know, shopping a demo, um, talking to people like Hank and Keith Shockley, um, and, you know, lots of other people who were in the industry uh, at the time, I learned, uh, I learned a lot about professionalism. And I think it's one of the reasons why I was able to have any success that I did um, in meeting some of the guys from Detroit because during the early 90s, early mid 90s, you know, there were a lot of Detroit folks that were actually uh, getting to play in Ohio. Um, Anthony Shakir, Dan Bell, Claude Young. Um, and those were the guys who I was looking up to anyway. I mean, those guys, Paul Johnson, um, I, th there's a long list of people, but well, those are like the most notable. That's good. So these, so these guys, you were influenced by them, even though you were in the hip hop band yes um around 1994 or so i actually started building my own studio at home and when i did instead of buying you know like a, a sp 1200 or you know an akai sampler or anything like that i ended up buying synthesizers uh, my first synthesizer was a casio cz 101 that I bought for $40 because the guy didn't think it worked. And unfortunately, uh, fortunately for, for me, I guess, most of the stuff that I was purchasing were the absolute wrong things to have for doing hip hop production. Yeah, okay, yeah, I can, yeah, I can imagine. You need a drum machine, I mean. Right, and my first drum, my first, yeah, my first proper drum machine was a, uh, a, a, a Alesis SR-16 drum machine, which I loved it, but uh, not the right thing for hip-hop drums at all, um, and not the right thing for techno either. Um, but I spent a year learning how to learning how to program and such, um, and then I found a Emo Emacs 1000 on the side of the road, uh, about 100 yards from a pawn shop. I was able to take it home and with the, the electronics training that I had done in my life, I was able to repair it and bring it back to life. So that became my, that became my first sampler and I had a friend who had an Emacs 1000 who also had uh, 909 drum samples. 
And that's how like my first couple of records came together with that using uh, using the uh, using the Emacs as a as a substitute for a 909. Now these these are classic units, right? And it, yes, no. that X100. They're all classics now. <laughs> we are in 2017 now, and how would you modernize? your sound are you still vintage or are you still on to new um, machines hardware gear and what is your favorite what keeps you relevant and fresh what is your favorite tool that keeps your sound sounding modern fresh and, you know tasteful well i think it's the fact that I've married hardware and software. Um, it's something that I started doing, uh, something I started doing uh, in the mid to late 2000s, because um, I had kind of gotten tired of being all quote unquote inside the box. Um, I've been using Ableton Live since uh, 1999 or 2000 when it first was released. Uh, I, I got to actually see the pre-release version, um, which was awesome. And um, I was doing a lot of sampling at the time because you couldn't actually have instruments in Ableton back then. And um, then as time went by, my personal situation got a little more stable. Um, I kind of got back into buying hardware again. Um, and right now, um, one of the two things that I kind of can't live without is my Novation circuit. And uh, the Novation circuit is a fantastic machine and anybody that says different will fight. There's that and um, I also use my iPad quite a bit. Um, there's a few things on, uh, on the iPad that I absolutely love to use, but possibly the thing that has been like the centerpiece of my live rig, especially besides Ableton, has been my uh, my Sharuthi synthesizer. Um, it was uh, a pronounce that again. Sharuthi. Okay, it's Sharuthi. Okay. yeah. So um, the Sharuthi one was um, it, it was a product that was uh, created by uh, Olivier in France. Um, he has a company called Mutable Instruments, who are probably now more notable for all of their modular stuff that they do. Mutable yep. instruments. Yes, and uh, the Sharuthi was a kit that you could buy. Uh, you could buy the boards for it and a case. And I ended up uh, buying it kind of late, um, as far as uh, the production run went, um, because probably about six months or a year afterwards, they stopped selling the kits. But uh, I ended up buying it and sourcing all my own parts here in the United States and assembled it. Um, took me about took me about seven hours or so uh, to do all the soldering, um, which I went really really slow because <laughs> <laughs> okay. I because I, I only wanted to do it once. Yes, I but, hear you. The thing is, is that now for uh, now for for live shows, when I do work with James Johnson as part of the Fallen, um, or when I do my uh, my solo performances, um, it's one of the uh, synthesizers that I absolutely love to use because there's a it has a sound that I cannot get through hardware, and it has a functionality that I also can't get through hardware. So it's that would probably be like. The one thing that I would probably cry if it uh, if it started to fail or if I no longer had the uh, opportunity to use it. And this is a synthesizer. It is a synthesizer. It's a small synthesizer. It doesn't have any keys. It's just a module. But uh, it is a, a hybrid because it uh, actually is the digital oscillators and everything else. It's a mono synth, but it also has a analog filter section. Oh, good. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's um, a lot of the, uh, let's see here. Actually, I'm wanting to say that uh, the baseline to Dynamonium and uh, on the, on the uh, from the Escape Planets release. Baseline uh, to, say that baseline to what? 
the song Dynamonium. Oh, yeah, Dynamonium. Yeah. Okay, I'm looking yeah. at I'm looking at the the record right now. Yeah, I believe that the baseline to that was from uh, was from the Sharuthi, and uh, there's a few other of my tracks, uh, like for instance, uh, oh goodness, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the song, but it was on uh, Martin. One of the tracks that I have on uh, Marcel Detman's Fabric Mix. My Barber record uh, has uh, has a bunch of Saruthi sounds on it. One of the uh, tracks is the release that you have on the Marcel Dittmans. No, actually, the Barber release is actually uh, from a label called Barba. Okay. It has a track on there called "Screaming Her Name." Screaming her name. Okay. And uh, the track "Screaming Her Name" is uh, almost uh, actually all of the synth sounds in that track come from the Saruthi. So. It's the Sharuthi sampled and uh, and and tweaked a bit in Ableton Live. So it's because uh, it does the bass line and it does the lead sound of the song. So the circuit, the Sharuthi, drums now. Um, well, with drums, um, I depends on where I'm at and what I'm doing because the uh, circuit does drums as well. Uh, but um, Ableton's 909 is one of my favorites just because of the fact that it works really, really well. Um, and it's really versatile as far as what you can do with the, uh, with the drum samples itself. So I get so much purchase out of that that uh, I almost don't like to go live without having a 909 uh, or having 909 drums from there. And you know, a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people have said, oh, the 909's played out, it's been used all over the place. And the, the truth is, yes, it has. However, the difference is, is that I think there are more ways to make a 909 sound than there are a few other machines. Now, um, I know that uh, if I was to buy another drum machine, there's a uh, Arturia's new drum machine uh, that has come out would be one that I would probably purchase. It's called the Drum Brute. The Drum Brute, exactly. Okay. And um, I, mean, I see you posting a lot of different jam sessions with your fellow Ohioans pretty often. And uh, how often do these sessions occur and why? Well, the whole idea behind that was uh, we, it was a bunch of us. Uh, I, I think we all kind of had the idea at the same time. I don't know that I can take 100% credit for it, but uh, there were a bunch of us uh, who all bought Novation circuits at the same time. And it started off as just kind of like, what would happen if the three or four or seven of us um, all got together in a room? Yeah, and we, we, we called it the Circuit Jerks. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and, yeah, and there's like, at this point, uh, I mean, usually it's a core group of about four of us. One of them is a, a good friend of ours named Jed James. And uh, we usually get together um, and uh, just go at it for a couple of hours and just see what happens. Uh, some of those jam sessions have been recorded, and uh, they are a lot of fun. Um, what's probably the more interesting thing is that I've probably learned more about using the circuit in a live format than I have even working with it at home. So because the thing is, is that the circuit is a great machine, but it's extremely useful as an instrument. And now with uh, the editor that they've put, uh, the, the editor that they've bundled along with it, um, and a lot of the other features like being able to add samples to it yourself it's turned into something you know completely different and novation gets a lot of credit because they've spent a lot of time listening to their users as to what their users want out of the machine and is it very user-friendly or hard to get around it's extremely user-friendly for not having a screen or for 
Yeah, for not having a screen and for not really having, uh, I mean, it has eight macro knobs, which depending on what you're, uh, what you're focused on, do completely different things. It has a drum machine section and it also has two synthesizers. And it's their Nova engine that they've been using for quite some time, which is a very versatile engine. The neat thing about it is, is that when you actually delve into programming of, uh, programming of some of the stock sounds, you start finding out so many different things that you can do because not only is it good at you know doing monosynth type bass lines, it's also good at doing you know chordal things, um, you know, melodies. Yes, harmonies and melodies with it. I mean, it's the other thing too is uh, that um, you can also do pattern chaining, so you can take. Uh, a 16 step pattern turn it into a 32 or a 64 step pattern so you actually can get a lot of variations out of it it'll allow you to uh it'll allow you to like you know take notes out edit notes um edit the uh it allows you to you know edit how many steps each particular individual's uh sequence has which can turn into complete and total chaos which is a lot of fun and you guys, seven of you, five of you, seven of you came together now. What part does each one of you play instrumentally? Well, that's uh, that's always kind of an interesting thing. Most of the time, uh, it, usually there's about four of us. And um, that's usually uh, me, uh, Jed James, Jason Adam, and our good friend Joe, uh, Joe Williams. And uh, So who's got my bass? It depends on what day it is, um, and it also depends on what minute it is, um, because a lot of times Jed will have, Jed usually does drums, uh, there'll be, because he'll usually have a lot of his own, uh, some of his other accoutrements set up, like his TR-8 and things of that nature, so he'll, he'll focus primarily on the drums and uh, adding some, adding some, some heavy low end, and there'll be times where I'll have a bass line that goes along you know with what he's doing like a complimentary baseline they have told me and i will not say this myself but they have told me that uh when i'm there my main role is to bring the funk oh yeah you do you do that very well very well but uh yeah it's and it's like everybody has it's 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 weird because it's almost difficult to pick out what each one of us is doing separately um so sometimes, I mean, sometimes you can hear, oh, well, that's definitely Jed, or that's definitely Kevin, or that's definitely Joe, or that's definitely Jason. But most of the time, it's like, no one's really sure what's happening. It's just all a cohesive unit. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's completely different from, uh, from the other working paradigms that I have. Um, I mean, for instance, when me and James work as the Fallen, James does almost all the drums i usually have no drums whatsoever and uh basically i always joke that james uh james brings the thunder and i just try and i try and uh i try and go along with him with uh with synths and bass lines and such can you can you see in the near future a release with four of you guys collaborating i would like to see something like that happen um it's was more started for fun that's one of the one of the things that uh, you know. If it would happen, that'd be great. Uh, Jed is a really good producer in his own in his own right, um, and uh, I I know that. Uh, well, I know he's also playing. Uh, he's playing Industry Brunch in Detroit as well. I believe this year. I know he's played it in the past. And one of the things that I'm really working on right now, besides my own solo work, is working with James uh, James Johnson as uh, trying to get more releases out for the fall. Well, because the fall right. yeah, currently the only thing that we have out uh, in the ether that's available for purchase is our release on Not Week Records, um, which uh, has one of our one of his compilations on Not Week actually has one fallen track on it. Can you so. repeat that again? What's the name? What's the title? Not the the label is called Knotweed. Okay. A N O T W E E D. I reached out to James too because I want to get him on on the podcast. Uh, and uh, matter of fact, maybe you two at the same time so we can talk about the falling. You <laughs> are taking on another profession, I hear. Oh goodness! In my personal life, yes. Uh, 
Yes, um, I recently signed up to uh, to start working for a credit union here, and I am uh, extremely excited about the opportunity. I actually start May 8th this Monday. So, and it starts after I do uh, two shows uh, with James in uh, in the northeastern part of the state in Cleveland and in Akron. Well, so, congratulations, sir. So, thank you. I'm I'm looking forward to it. The biggest challenge will be uh, waking up in the morning. <laughs> How important now will music be to you now that you have this other profession? You also have another pet peeve, and that is cooking. You're the master in the kitchen. Tell me how all that pans out now. How can you see this happen? Well, for me, uh, great. well, it, that's already happened. Okay. Uh, I'm already there at the, at the level of going crazy. Um, for me, um, cooking has always been a passion of mine. Um, and it's something that uh, even when I'm not doing it as a profession, I'm, I do it personally. Um, mm -hmm. Just it's uh, just because it's something that uh, I've been doing for you know, on and off professionally for 20 years. Yeah. Um, music will always be a passion of mine. As I tell people, it's the only woman that's here. And uh, I, I will uh, no, no matter what. It's uh, the, the primary focus of my of my of my life outside of uh, outside of my home life has been working on music and uh, continuing to uh, find ways to uh, to better myself through through mus musicianship and creativity. I have not found, I have found that through my life, the things that have been the most important to me have been my creative pursuits and they have been the things that have sustained me in the darkest of times. When I walk away from those things for any moment in time, tends to uh, things tend to go down. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Um, it's uh, not an easy business to uh, to uh, sustain unless you are day in, day out, and you're making hits. I guess. Or uh, well, I I guess I take that back because I'm really I must say that I'm very uh proud of mr jeff mills and his achievements ladies one of the few that have been able to uh sustain such a career and he's you know and it's this art this art form is which is uh pretty much all over the world not only in, in america not and not isolated to one particular performance um genre he's uh doing live with orchestra uh, with orchestras and symphonies and and conductors with this sound which is uh the next level i think for when you get this age and you've been in the business so long so oh yeah and the thing about <clears throat> the thing about jeff is that whether people realize it or not um almost all of us in techno are in some way shape or form following his lead yeah, yeah. and um Jeff has always been a person that I and I I, I say this with uh, I, I say this without uh, any sarcasm whatsoever. Um, I believe that uh, the story of the story of techno is basically the story of jazz told by the machines. And if you say that, Jeff Mills is basically Miles Davis. Oh, um, I believe. That, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I believe that um, that um, that he is just as important to dance music as Miles Davis was to jazz. I mean, even talking about uh, the birth of the cool with the Miles Davis nonette um, and all of the other uh, all of the other you know wonderful uh, records that uh, that Miles recorded over his career. Um, and uh, I always say that, uh, that that Anthony Shakir is basically Thelonious Monk. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, he's another one that uh, looking forward to getting on the show, and I I, I share the same uh, feelings you do about both artists, and uh, they're for me a big inspiration. Um, uh, I have to say also a big inspiration is Jay Denham. It's time for him to also get back on track and. Uh, I think that Jay is doing that. Um, Jay is uh, Jay has always been one of my heroes. Um, he's, I mean, he's been uh, another guiding force in my career. Though I regret that I never actually got to be on Black Nation during the '90s. Uh, 
you know, it was still uh, a, a joy of mine to be involved in uh, some of his biggest events that were thrown, uh, like Hard Black Evening, and, uh, you know, I actually got to go to People's Revolution, which Jeff knows it was played and I actually got to meet Jeff that night, which shocked me because Jeff Mills knew who I was at that moment. And I was like, okay, I can quit now. That was a uh, one of the craziest events I've ever been to because uh, I mean, just the lineup for that show was uh, Surgeon, Jeff Mills, Claude Young, Anthony Shakir played, and then there was like a ton of other people that if I start mentioning their names, people were like, how come I didn't get to go to this? Um, all held basically in a gravel pit in somewhere close to Kalamazoo. <laughs> Um, have you heard anything with uh, Marcel Dittman? Are you planning on any releases with him again? I don't really have an answer for that um, at this moment, mainly because um, I know Marcel's been really, really busy with touring. I know that we have something in the works, but um, I don't have a release date or anything like that. The only other thing that I can speak on right now, uh, which um, it, this is kind of an exclusive cat being let out of the bag. I am doing a release for Barba a second release and uh, that second release is supposed to feature a remix by Mr. Claudio. I mean it. You putting out tracks like like hotcakes and then what is your support system on all this? The, the, the truth is I mean uh, Olivia my wife who I love to death uh, we've been friends for longer than we've been lovers. We met roughly 25 years ago and i always held a flame for her and i've always i've always loved and adored her um she has uh she is not a musician um she's been an activist for most of her life but she has been around musicians for a very very long time i mean she's uh gotten the opportunity to you know have friendships with a lot of uh, a lot of prominent musicians, uh, even like bands like the Mighty Mighty Boston's. She's actually you know gotten to know those guys on a personal level, which was really really cool. She has no ambitions to be an artist or musician, but at the same point in time, she loves and supports me, and she knows how important my music is to me, and she never makes me choose. Um, the the thing that I always tell people as far as relationship advice goes, especially my musicians' friends, is that I always tell them, it's like, don't try and find someone in the scene. Find someone outside of the scene who will support you. It, it's it's a really difficult one for a lot of people to understand. They're like, I need someone that understands my music. The only person that should ever understand your music typically is you. Then you explain it to others. With that said, um, when is your next gigs? Where can people find you? What's uh, what's up next on the pipeline? My next big gig, my next big gig that's scheduled is uh, I am going to be playing uh, May 29th at uh, the Industry Brunch, which is uh, going to be held in Detroit uh, during Movement Weekend. Yes, and. Uh, <laughs> I mean, shout out to uh, shout out to uh, to Ryan and, and Sam Kern for uh, for putting me on the bill. Um, I'm going to be performing live, and I am extremely excited about the about the opportunity to do so. Um, this is May 29th. So, um, and the night before that, at the works, uh, my my brother James Johnson is actually playing Interface. Uh, at the uh, and that's going to be a fantastic show um, in the, as well. So shout out to uh, shout out to all those guys for, for for booking us for for events. And other than that, um, I am planning on doing another release on Absolute, which is my own digital label. Exactly. And um, I'm not sure exactly when that's going to come up, but um, I've. Uh, I've picked some tunes for it. Uh, I'm I'm also working on. Uh, actually, I think I have a couple other things. I just did a remix for uh, for uh, Miles Sergey Clark's label, uh, which is a Calder City Development, and uh, they uh, it's a remix of a track by Rose and Ulysses, um, which I was really really uh, really happy to do. It's uh, called a place this, and I know. Yes, there's another remix that I've done for uh, for um, Rennie Foster's label, um, which uh, I'm not sure the release date of that either. But um, so you'll be hearing me doing some remixes and uh, some originals. I'm uh, really excited, and 
if anybody out there who has a record label who is interested in some FBK tracks, send me an email at thefbk at gmail.com and uh, I'll see what I can do for you. There you go. And what can the audience expect to hear in your sets? Live act, DJ set, or live act? If you ever hear me DJ, you will probably hear me play primarily my own work um, because I have so much of it that I don't even put out. And it's a lot of it's edits and edits of tunes that I like, uh, so on and so forth. Um, so those sets are 90% just uh, new music that you'll only hear if I play it. <laughs> and my live shows are a lot different from that because they are, I'd say about 80% improvised. So you will hear me making a lot of, uh, a lot of decisions on the fly. So I don't even know what's gonna happen when I perform live, which is even more fun. <laughs> And with that said, we're going to sign off here on the Decisive Podcast series with our special guests from Ohio and ReKids release called From the Escaped Planets. The Escaped Planets. We're signing off. Till next time. Later.